the fluffing. This right. is fluffing. Right. <laughs> Neil. I love how you step over the line sometimes. Great. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> said, said the bird talking about taking a dump in the chip shop. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Ferguson Harrington Hawks. I'm Ferguson. I'm Harrington. And I'm Hawks. Here we are again. That was a bit posh, wasn't it? Shall I do it a bit more? Am I more? I'm a No, it doesn't become you. Morks. Have you ever played a gangster, Chasen? Uh, no, no. I think you'd make quite a good gangster. You could be the nice gangster. You know the one who's nice yeah. and you go, oh, he's nice, what's he doing being a gangster? And then he stabs you and then smiles. That could be you. Yeah, I could do it. I, I think it would be co-starring Ray Winston. Yeah, right. Yeah. Who is actually nice. Who is actually have you met him? Proper, yes, I have. Properly uh, nice bloke. Yeah. Like, I've heard lovely nice. things about yeah. Ray. And he's also a West Ham fan, which makes me very happy. Ah, there you go. Do you know, it's a, it's kind of a, nice might be our theme for this thing. Or maybe it's not. Do you have a quote for yeah, us? Yeah, our quote today from our guest is by uh, an American cultural anthropologist, Margaret Mead. Oh, nice. Mm. And the quote is, Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Mm. Ooh, oh, deep. I like that. So now our Margaret, our Marge, I tell you, she loved the quote, did our Marge. Did she? Oh, my God, they're everywhere. one of them. I mean, yeah, I can go to a page of about 45 of them right now. You'll be pleased to know I won't. LAUGHTER <laughs> Sorry, our lovely guest. We don't have time for you today. <laughs> Neil has 40 quotes for us to digest. She loved the quote, did Marge. And also she was so dedicated to anthropology that she got married three times. Oh, that hello. is someone that is very uh, committed yeah, right? to her to work. To the study of humans. If she wasn't yeah. committed then, she would be after three yeah. marriages. That's one less than me, actually. That's one less yeah. than me. So, yeah, yeah. fair play to her. Have you been uh, married so, yeah. four times? You've not been married four times. Well, Karen is referred to as Mrs Harrington the Fourth. Is that really? actually real? You actually have been married four times? No, I married one and two and uh, three I didn't marry and Karen's number four. Wow. Did you hear the shame in his voice there, Tessie? Yeah. Did you look, You've got to look on the bright side. At least my mum's got a great hat collection, OK? Yeah, right. So, you know, <laughs> every cloud. Who knew you were the Elizabeth Taylor of Ferguson Harrington Hall? <laughs> anyway, back Absolutely. to... Absolutely. <laughs> and all the... while under the stairs. Right? It's unbelievable. <laughs> all that action. Back to our margin of quotes. No, but it's, it's an interesting quote because... It, it's become a motto that many organisations and movements have adopted. And some people even sign it off on their emails. What, that yeah, quote? Yeah, yeah. Say it absolutely. again for me, say it again yeah, for me and, the listener. It again. me and the listener. <laughs> you and, and the me. Listener. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Mm. Our Marge. You know, that totally refers back to story too, right? Like... The, one of the things that we say in story is that uh, story is there to prolong the species, right? That right. you only that <clears throat> it's the passing over of information. And in fact, Mark talks about how when people work together, that's how change happens. So, like, yeah. even when the wheel happened, right, where they were like, oh, "What is a wheel?" But <laughs> 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 somebody did a rolly yeah. thing, Whoa. then someone else would come along and go. What's that? And they go, well, I don't know what it's called. It's a, it's a thing. It's a, it's a rolly it's a thing. And they're thing. like, whee! 
get to go see Ash wheel, right? And then they decide to talk and then they progress it, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's happening. Exactly how that happened. No, but I want to go back to that day. Ooh, there's a wheel. (laughs) Wheel. Imagine being there that day. Your mind would be blown. (laughs) Look at it go. But I I do think about that sometimes. Like when I I was back in Scotland at one point and, and on the train, and I can't remember what was happening. I think it was quite a dark time um, family-wise. Like, I think my, my mother was very sick or something like that. And I was thinking about how um, how dark the world can be and how lonely it can be. And I looked out and there was all these things that just said, absolutely, no, it's not, right? Yeah. And even down to the things like the, there was like sheep in a field, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, somebody looks after those sheep. And then somebody makes the food for the sheep. And then, so, and like the whole thing of when you look at anything, you see the community behind it. And I'm like, and I'm sitting on a train, and there must have been a guy that invented this train, and then somebody <laughs> else that drew it up, and then a whole load of people who built it, and then there's all the people who clean it, and then the, like the guy yeah. who's going to come by and do the ticket. Like actually, we we do exist as communities. We are in communities, but sometimes I think um, it's easy to feel lonely and isolated. But I like mm. that quote because you're like, actually, no matter what you do, there's a whole team of people involved in the making of it and everything. I kind of saw it as uh, like protesting and things like that, where the, oh, those did? are the things that make the difference. Yeah. You know, when people get together and... Let me just chip in there for you, Ches, and then you can carry on. So a description of it. Real change comes from the ground up, not the top down. The public mm. people outnumber the government representatives we send to do our bidding. And if and when something is considered important enough to fight for, we stand up, make ourselves heard and affect change. So, yeah. That's exactly how you saw it. Yeah, it? I guess so. Like, you know, the people, um, groundswell, you know, if, it's, if it isn't for us, the people, we the people, um, we, you know, we can make a difference, you know, if we get mm. together and, and protest or whatever it is that we need to do. Um, I guess that's how I saw it. Have you ever been on a good protest? Um, I did kind of a little bit with the Black Lives Matter protests through the mm. pandemic, you know, because Casey, my eldest, was very, very kind of heated about that and w- wanted to be involved and wanted to go to these. So, uh, yeah, so I kind of a little bit uh, there. But ha- have you guys, have you been in, in the middle Ooh, of anything? Yeah. Like, Come round here waving your placard at me, <laughs> love, I tell yeah. you. Yeah, have you ever been on any, Neil? No. No? No. Oh, did you get your sleeves rolled up? Did you get your gloves on? Yeah, I used to go to them. Well, because I do believe that the only way that you can uh, say that you don't like something is by saying that you don't like something. You don't go, oh, yeah, of I course. don't like that. Like, no, I yeah. don't like that. I did that's, um, go yeah, that's down. Why, that's how you make a difference. Yeah, by saying that's yeah. not appropriate. It's boundaries. I think that might be the thing when you put down your boundaries. You go, no, boundaries cross. Mm. I, ha- I have to say, politically, I don't understand why... I mean, this, I'm going to get into trouble, listener. It's Uh-oh. okay. I'm on that kind of politics. Today. She's going politics. But but I don't understand why uh, people are not protesting more in the UK right now, where it's mm. evident that it's just like one guy going, "I'll do things how I want to," and <laughs> all, me and all my yeah. pals from Eton, we all agree that I can do whatever I want, and I've got lovely yeah. hair, and you just shut up and don't put your heating on, and that's how things are going to be. Did you see that fantastic protest? Yeah. My favourite protest I think I've ever seen of, uh, of uh, all of these guys got together with the Boris Johnson uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> heads. Yeah, oh, the was, and they're all having a party. Like, oh, yeah. It was just the best. Have a party. party. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. But I agree. In fact, a lot of the way that I started uh, when uh, I left drama school, we, I did this uh, double act 
And a whole load of the things that we did as the double act were like these kind of meetings of people, like we did um, things for CND and, um, and, and we actually were part of the unions. We, we represented the I was going to say unions, yeah, because that's yeah, what this is all about, really. About the poll tax, the, when the poll oh, wow. tax was yes, coming in, so we travelled down to, yeah. You know, oh, Maggie Thatcher, milk snatcher, right? There was a lot of <laughs> protests then, yeah. Oh, there were, yeah. And the yeah. miners, do you remember the miners' yeah, protests? Yeah, no, I do, what? I definitely do, yeah. After Scargill, yeah. But I also think that um, in modern terms, how you can see it as, um, <clears throat> like, in the just giving thing. Or even, I was reading this morning, mm. I don't know if it'll change things, but it's probably wrong to laugh at it. I'm sorry, listener, I'm very co- uh, controversial today. The... Uh, Two million people have signed a petition that says Amber Heard must not be allowed to be an Aquaman too. Wow. And I was like, man, if we could get two million people to, like, (laughs) protest about anything, that would be awesome, right? But that? (laughs) Well, I get the point of it. And I think what it says about people is that we relate to individual stories. You know, we relate to the individuals. Mm. It's why Boris is getting away with so much shit, to be honest, where they go, oh, you know, yes, he has parties and yes, he doesn't care that I can't go to my grandma's funeral, but he doesn't mean it. Yeah, right? exactly. He's look, misunderstood. He can't, he can't even do his hair. Yeah, right. You know, look yeah, at right. him. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Neil? What did you take the quote to me? Or were you too busy researching and writing letters to all your ex-wives? <laughs> <laughs> and, and going through the 40 quotes that he'd yeah. read, read no, it from It's interesting Marge. how it's become a motto for many organisations and movements. That was the bit. And I just sort of, it, it took me to looking into Margaret Mead. Yeah, the way I interpret it is, is exactly what this is, explanation is. Real change comes from the ground mm. up, not the top down. It'd be interesting to see what our lovely guest says about, about the quote and why, why he chose that. Quite a, a mark of our guest today, isn't it, really, I think? I love him. He's one of the people that I met when I first came to the US. And Los Angeles is an interesting place. There are a quota of people in LA, and you may agree with me, Chesney, <laughs> yeah. who would rather uh, look pleasant than be pleasant. They'd rather look helpful than be oh, helpful. Gosh, yeah. And actually, <clears throat> this guy, he's just such a good guy. If he can help you, he will help you. Uh, like even because I messaged him and said, dude, can you do this thing? And he's like really busy, but he was going, okay, when do you need me? <laughs> like just, he's a properly good yeah. guy. I'll tell you what, we'll check in with him after the break. Awesome. <laughs> More on that later, because I have something to say about that. I love a bit of editing. Yeah, great. Okay. <laughs> Here we go, team. Is it possible to be successful and also be a nice guy? Some of you say no. I say yes. And if you want to argue about it, here's the proof. 25 years working in TV as a writer, producer and now executive producer on one of the biggest shows in the world. I am, of course, talking about NCIS, guys. It's Scott Williams on our podcast. Yay! Yay, Scott Williams! Hey, listener, we've just been having an argument, me and Scott, about... Because I tell you, he properly is a really nice guy, and he's like going, no, I'm not a nice guy. I'm going to talk to you about that later. So I'm like throwing it at you. Go, Williams, tell me that you're not a nice guy. (laughs) You know, the imposter syndrome kicked in, so when you asked me to do this podcast, first I thought it was going to be above your garage and, you know, in person, which I was like, I couldn't wait to see you again. Um, And and, and so nice to meet the other two lads here. But um, but no, but... but, um, 
I, I of course listened to the other podcast because I thought, you know, maybe this is, you know, am I smart enough? Am I good enough to like join this group? <laughs> oh, and you know, a good ten minutes into the first listen, I'm like, You're oh, I can, totally, I can totally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good enough. I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Is the is the old, the old Al Franken saying? I don't know, but um, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, but no, I, I I love that you guys do this, and uh, it's uh, I'm delighted to join you. So so thanks. I'll try to be nice. I'll try to prove that introduction correct. You so. don't yeah. have to try. What I want to talk about is that we asked you about the quotations. Right, and the reason that we've asked people to give qu uh, like quotes or sayings or proverbs or whatever, is that um, often when we we bring guests on, we talk about or we have an idea of who they are through what they do, but with with the quotations, we get an idea of who they are by what they feel, what they live by, and the quotation that we chose actually, and you gave us lots, which is very you. We it's very you, and I'll tell you why it's you. Don't you try talking. Do you think you're the guest or something? <laughs> yeah, you've got no chance, Scott. Come on. <laughs> this is why Lynn loves me, because I yield. I, yeah, I, always, I just, I back We off. all do, Scott. We yeah. all do. We've learned. <laughs> she, loves, she loves yielders, yes. I do. I definitely do. How do you think I got Mark? He just surrendered in the He's end. He was like, okay. He just rolled over. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, okay. Sorry, no, lovely, um, you were saying? I thought it was very sort of symptomatic of you in a way or a, a good example and that you gave us lots of quotes and I think that's something about you which is you're generous. You gave us a lot of different ideas. You wanted things to work. And then and the quote that we chose, Neil, what was the it? The quote that we chose, Scott, was the Margaret Mead quote, actually. Oh, well. Yeah. It was a good choice. So, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Mm -hmm. oh. Why did you pick that quote? Well, you know, it was sort of a, a mission statement for us in a way. You know, we, uh, as Lynn knows our, our history, you know, we, um, as my shitty little career was, was, was launching, I, I had, I had gotten to write some movies that nobody was making. Um, but I've written some with some really good people. Um, I'd broken in with with uh, after twelve years of of bartending and 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 aspiring to write. I finally you know sold a project to Ray Liotta's company that never got made, which got me to Ron Howard's company. The movie never got made. And then my wife and I got married and had our first child in in Shane, um, who was born profoundly disabled with this um, disability called spinal muscular atrophy, which essentially left him paralyzed from about mid face down. So um, it was like, you know, the best day of our lives became the worst day of our lives. And, and dealing with the shock, the doctors, well, before they had uh, diagnosed him with, with SMA, said the best case scenario is you're going to be raising him in a wheelchair. And my niece, little Dorothy at the time, was probably seven or eight. She said, well, what's the big deal? We'll just build ramps everywhere. Mm, nice. um, and uh, it sort of struck a chord with us. And, and in the, and in the process of figuring out a way to build ramps everywhere, basically to one ramp up my game career wise, cause I was going to have to pay for this child's health and also retrofitting our house with ramps everywhere. We also looked into, you know, the state of, of disability in this country and around the world. And there was a thing called Americans with Disabilities Act, which was wonderful. Um, it, it's the reason why you have, um, you know. Uh, ramps at the at your at your corners on the streets, and you have those big toilet stalls at the at the airport. Um, but in the area, <clears> the <throat> thing we discovered was in the area of playgrounds, what you had was a cement ramp 
uh, leading to a sand moat or wood chips with play equipment inside. So we just, one thing we discovered was there'd be this glaring inequity in terms of raising a child with a disability. Now, sorry to say that um, Shane uh, only lived two weeks. We had to take him off the, uh, the respirator at two weeks. He was weakening. But uh, in the midst of our grief, the, the year after was a bit of a, of a fog. Um, uh, oddly enough, I had said to my sister who'd flown out here, I'd said to her and a buddy of mine, I said, man, I got I to gotta figure out a way to up my game career-wise because I... As I said, I got to pay for all this, um, this care that Shane will need. And, um, like a day or two later, my agent called and said, look, I know you're going through a terrible time, but don't ask me how, but Steven Botchko at NYPD Blue got a hold of your Ray Liotta script and, and wants you to write television. So it was weird. Like I'd sort of put out this, that I needed something mm. in the universe. And then this yeah. sort of showed up at this very strange time. And obviously I said, well, tell him, I don't know when I'll get to meet with him. And it was the, the last thing I was thinking about was, was what this would bring that way. After losing Shane, we had gone through this whirlwind year where I was working my first year on a, on a television show and, and, um, and it was affording us a different lifestyle. It paid off a lot of debt. Um, but also we had Shane's empty bedroom and we had, uh, had my very, my, my, my grieving wife, both of us were grieving, but you know, she had suffered a couple of miscarriages after that when we were trying to, to make up for our loss. And then he decided about a year in to give her body and our minds a rest. And we started this thing called Shane's Inspiration, which was our, we made it our mission to build a playground, one playground in Los Angeles that would, um, uh, allow children with disabilities to play with able-bodied kids. It wasn't about a park for disabled kids. It was an actual, you know, a park where every kid could play. Nobody was left out. Complete inclusion. Inclusion was the big, the big uh, word. Um, I, being something of a cynic, um, <laughs> was was not sure. I said, "Well, we don't, you know. I, of course, I would love to do this, but you know, we don't know anything about playgrounds, and 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 you know what what." How will we sell this? Who, who will? Well, one of the things when you lose a child, everyone you know says, "What can I do? What can I do?" Right. And there's nothing that anyone can do to help in that situation. When you decide to build a playground in memory of your lost son, everybody shows up. So, <laughs> right, this small band of committed citizens showed up to affect change in the world, or to help us affect change in the world, mm -hmm. or at least affect change in Los Angeles at that time. And, um, and it really, uh, we, we, I forgot what came first, whether we saw the quote first and the other followed or in the midst of building this thing. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an easy sell. There were definitely people on city council that were like, I never see kids with disabilities at playgrounds. Is this really necessary? And I'm like, well, no shit. Cause they get to go and watch other kids play. It's no fun, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. You know, we had we ran into some of those obstacles, people that were just a little older and they're, you know, a, a more old fashioned in their thinking. But um, but, you know, by and large, it's a difficult thing for anyone to be against, you know, regardless yeah, of your of political party or your faith or whatever. No one's really against kids playing in a playground. Right. So um, very bipartisan, but, I would think. <laughs> yeah, very bipartisan. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the Margaret Mead quote is actually, you know, we opened it. Uh, it took us two years. We got the city to donate the land. They donated a very large track of two acres that we then had to fill. We raised, you know, two million some dollars, I think, in that time and built the first, you know, the play wheelchair playable and crutches and every other disability. We put things in there. You know, we have we have apparatus in there for 
you know, kids with autism, kids with Down syndrome, blind, uh, you know, hearing impaired, um, there's Braille features on the playground. And, um, and that quote, you know, we, we put in bronze on a plaque and it sits on a rock in the, in the playground because it's a way of just thanking the, the small band of committed citizens who did this. Now, what we didn't anticipate was I, I was like, yeah, we built a playground. We're done, you know. We're done. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, but then we had a, we had a family from e, uh, uh, um, West L.A. that said, gee, our son Aiden loves this place. Um, it's the only place where he can come and play with his brothers. He's profoundly disabled in a wheelchair and his two able-bodied brothers, they come and they get to push him around in the wheelchair and they run around. But the, but the drive from, from West L.A. here, it, you know, at, at rush hour is very taxing. Is there a way that we get one of these in our neighborhood? Now, we had completely tapped our friends out of every, like, nickel and dime. You know, it, like, like if we built it on $5 donations, $50 donations, very grassroots. We had a few corporate sponsors that came in toward the end that helped us put it put it over the hump. But um, thankfully, this family, the Gaffney family, wonderful people, they showed up with their own friends with money. And wow. so we said, well, we've oh, hit up gosh. everybody we know. Can we, you know, we'll help you build yours. Um, and we did. A year later, we managed to raise the money quickly because they had friends. And we built it in. We replaced the playground in uh, West L.A. Um, uh, and now called Aiden's Place. Oh, uh, was playground so number great. two. Yeah. And, th and then like, you know, our mission kind of grew a little bit. Now Maria Shriver was showing up to help cut the ribbon and it was like starting to kind of <laughs> gain some traction. <laughs> well, you know, here we are, Shane would now be 24 and uh, we're at 72 or three plus parks, I think, wow. um, yeah. around the country and, and globally. We've gotten in Canada, in, in South America, in Israel, in, in Sochi, Russia, with the, with the Olympics that were there a few years ago. They built one. Well, we don't talk about Russia right now. No, but, um, <laughs> I'll cut that thing out. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Let's celebrate that one quite as much yeah, as yeah, I yeah. used to. <laughs> yeah. But um, but at any rate, uh, you know, again, Lynn knows I'm a big Springsteen fan. You know, mm. from small things, mama, big things one day come. You know, it was really one of those things that demonstrated to us that from a simple one idea one day to mm. like do something yeah. um, to help us heal, uh, it, it accomplished that and then so much more. And so, you know, getting to watch kids play at these things and oddly enough, also getting to watch what we really didn't expect was there was an old man at our playground who was in a wheelchair and he was rolling his wheelchair around, chasing his grandkids on our structures. It's like he has these things. And he came down and he was all out of breath and he just goes, I got to tell you, he goes, I was paralyzed in a car accident at 17. He goes. I could never take my kids to the playground, and now now wow. I can take my grandkids. Oh, wow. So this so it is works great. the other way around. Yeah. Disabled family members can play with their kids. It's amazing. Yeah. We didn't yeah, anticipate it. It was like, no. you know, so that's why the Mead quote will always be, mm. you know, near and dear to my heart. We've, we've changed the name of the mission. We've expanded it. The organization is now called Inclusion Matters by Shane's Inspiration, and it's at mm. inclusionmatters.org. Mm. But, um, you know, they continue to do great work. You know, my wife and I are less involved on the day to day and serve more as ambassadors to it. Cause it's really taken on a life mm -hmm. of its own, the mission. So, um, but honestly that, you know, it, it goes hand in hand with, you know, with Hillary's, it, it takes a village, you know, it, it really, yeah. that Margaret yeah. Mead quote means a lot to us cause it's proof in the pudding. Cause there's a lot of people that think, what can me and my neighbors do about this situation? What can we, how can we help the world? But it's like, you know, in small ways you, you, you help, you help someone said it, you know, you help one, you help a million, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, 
Lynn knows my wife is a slacker. <laughs> Your wife is totally not a slacker. Your wife is a dynamo. Like literally, when she picks something up and she is on it, man. Was like, my she... sarcasm? Was my sarcasm? She's not here not to defend evident? herself. Yeah. So <laughs> no. When uh, listen, the worst thing you could tell my wife is no, because that means it's going to happen. She's she just like we, we were talking about this the other week. She's one of these get shit done women, right? That's what it's you're saying. Yeah, exactly is. right. Yeah. Get shit done. She's a man. Manifester, yeah. you know, she, uh, I made the mistake at our previous house and I'm like, I wish I had like one foot of closet space more, which I was thinking I'm going to knock this wall out and maybe, you know, do <laughs> next thing I know, we're like searching for a new house and we're building a new house and Lynn's building a new house, you know, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, slow down, slow down. Like I, you got to be careful what I say around her. Cause she'll make it happen. You know? Yeah. Um, and like I said, no, I was the cynic going like, can we do this? And she was like, yeah, yeah, just, 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 just come with me and take the ride. And, uh, again, it, it was so grassroots. I mean, we drafted her friend Tiffany. And so basically it, like we started off all of our events included like me and Tiffany's husband, Quint, like loading and unloading trucks at our five K's and 10 K's and, you know, <laughs> yeah, doing, right. doing all the work ourselves. We really, you know, every dollar that we raised went to the cause, not to some production mm. team that was going to help us yeah. make our gala look cool. Like, no, we were there folding napkins and getting things, you know, but it's like, honestly, it was, um, it was super healing and remains super healing. And, mm. uh, and, uh, and again, you just, especially the time when you just, the world seems so screwed up and, and, mm. uh, you yeah, know, be involved in like, something that it's just, you know, is giving good and doing good in the world. Yeah. And yeah. you also, you just discover that there's, there's just a lot of really good people in the world that, yeah, you know, like yeah. it's like people at the people at their core are nice and good and, and mean well and, and want to help. You know, it's like what gets attention is negativity, you know, negative, you know, like yeah. Yeah. to the louder person that's pointing at the people who are your pro, this is your problem. It's those people. Yeah. They get the airtime. They're a circus, a sideshow, but it's like, but uh, on the whole, and, and unfortunately what, doesn't get enough airtime because it's it's not as interesting. You know, I think I was just talking to a friend the other day about, you know, someone we were a bunch of college friends and I were getting together um on a Zoom and um and we hadn't a lot of us hadn't seen each other in 30 some years and we were like, you know, let's all let's all like use these next few Zooms to like tell our stories, you know. And um mm. we have one friend that's a great guy, but he basically told us all about, about all of his successes and I'm this and I did that and then I did this yeah. and I did this. And he's a, you know, uh, my, my college happened to be big on physical education. So a lot of these, you know, about half the guys are into like coaching. They coach sports, you know, mm. different kinds. Mm. So he's telling us about all the amazing people that he met and all this great things. And I got to say, it was like the least compelling story. And I told him so <laughs> because honestly, because everybody else got to tell the story. I got to talk about Shane yeah. and yeah. I got to talk about the, 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 the jobs I didn't get and the, 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 the bumps in the road in our marriage that we overcame, mm. you know, it's like, and so that's, the that's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear I'm the greatest. I build the tallest the building. Buster. Look at yeah. me. You know, I want to hear about, yeah, yeah, you know, we had hard times and we overcame it and we didn't do it alone. It took it took a small band of committed citizens to help pull us through that. Yeah. Mm. We all hate asking for help, but we love giving it when we're asked for help. It's like, what? I can be of use for someone, you know, yeah. so, mm. so I just discovered mm. that, you know, it's as hard as it was to ask for help. People were really excited and eager to give it to give. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's stingy to not accept goodness. You know, like my, <laughs> my, my, my mother would do this thing with my grandmother years ago. My mother, grandmother would like send us, you know, send her 50 bucks for her birthday. And she'd like give her back for her birthday, her own $50 check and like <laughs> another $50 check. And I'm like, <laughs> 
What yeah. the fuck? Yeah. She goes, what? I just wanted yeah. to know. Like, I'm like, like, no, you're being stingy. You're not giving her the joy of giving to you. Let her give to you, you know. So. But your mother is Scottish, though. But that's, that I mean, don't get me Scottish. started on a whole Scottish thing. That's a whole yeah. Edinburgh thing. Right? Uh, right? That's, that's nobi- no, the nobility of poverty. You know, that's, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Hey, one of the things I'd say about you is how you manage, you and Catherine both actually, manage to create family where you go. You have like, fa- there, it's like family groups in a way, you know, like the Shane's people are very close. Um, and also, yeah. when we moved over here, you and Catherine were very welcoming. It was like, come into the family, right? Oh, you, like, you're, you're the same. Lot. You're the same type person, though. I mean, honestly, it, and and yeah, it's uh, we love being pulled into communities, and we love pulling mm. people into ours and all that. But mm. um, yeah, again, same thing. It's very easy to, for us to isolate. You know, totally. and especially in the after the forced isolation of the last couple of years, mm. I'll have days where. You know, Grace now lives in Baltimore with her boyfriend. I don't know if you no know that lady. Yeah, so she left there to go to school, and she's she took some time off, and now she lives with her boyfriend and works in Baltimore. And um, and so and so she's gone. You know, we're we're in her life every day, thanks to the cell phone. You know, Grace is your daughter. We should say that because we haven't yes. mentioned her yet. Grace is Grace is Shane's bro- Shane's sister, who was born three years later, and she is oh. healthy and wonderful, and and we're grateful for her. Beautiful and, uh, girl, actually. Yeah. Uh, the teenage years nearly killed us, but besides yeah. that, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's that happens to all of us. <laughs> yeah, but there are days in terms of isolation. I'm saying there are days that, like, you know, so Catherine's out, Grace is away, the dog's not talking to me. It's like I, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go to Gelson's just to say hi to the cashier just to like engage and, 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 well, now, and now you have me as a neighbor so we can no, get out oh, for a coffee where, where are we meeting where, where what's the local we'll go to we'll go to pat's for a drink so yeah pat's or harvest moon harvest moon <laughs> there you go uh, yeah there's many things i love about ncis actually it keeps the drama for the screen that's what I like. Yeah, very you much. You know, like the drama with NCIS is on in the show. It's not around the show. There's no right. Like yeah, the so very definitely. Hat. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It seems like everybody just gets on and they do the thing. There's no diva-like behavior at all. I um no. I joined in season nine and I had worked a season at Castle, uh, which was another great show, oh, and, uh, yeah. and and got along great there. But then I got this really good offer from a friend that I had worked. I'm dropping show names now. A buddy of mine that I'd worked with a, a, a few years before on Bones. I remember Bones. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I remember I was I writing Bones. Bones. So Gary Glassberg called me up and goes, hey, I have an opening. You know, I'm running the NCIS now. I have an opening. Do you, can you come here? And he gave me a, a really good offer. And But I was like, I don't know shit about Navy. You know, it's like I'm not, I wasn't in the, in the military or anything. And he goes, oh, it's a, it's a cop show with heart and jokes. It's what we do, yeah. you know, because if you watch Bones, Castle, and and it's yeah, yes, you, they they're also similar in tone in that they yeah. have you know we're solving crimes, but we're like you know it, they we don't they don't take themselves too seriously. They crack jokes, and there's a lot of heart moments. And if, if you can laugh and cry within an hour, you've done your job. But um, but I went to Nathan Fillion, who plays Castle, and said, "Hey, dude, I'm you know I'm leaving." He said, "Why? What are you doing?" I uh-huh. said, "Well, I'm 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 I got an offer from NCIS." He goes, "Oh, I hear that's the best gig in town." Oh, he says all my friend, great. all my friends who work there, who have been like guest stars, they like never want to leave. Apparently, like Mark Harmon's the coolest. And I got to say, I showed up and I had my first lunch with Mark, and I thought I was being punked because he was like, I'm like, oh. he was so nice <laughs> and so welcome. Like, What's the catch? Yeah, and, and so <laughs> when 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 Lynn talks about no drama around the show, it yeah. all kind of trickles down from the top with that guy. In that, you know, he was a he was a, a quarterback, a star quarterback at UCLA, and he's sort of the quarterback of this show. 
Mm. in that all the good and again you'll find this on a lot of shows if you're number one on the call sheet's an asshole yeah. it's going to be kind of a hard time if you're number <laughs> one on the problem. call sheet's really cool you know it's going to trickle down to the rest of the crew it's the one time where trickle down actually does apply um and uh so really it all starts with mark and uh and so for 10 years now that i've been on the show mark's been the quarterback and just been a dream and when we break for lunch pre-pandemic you know um actors don't cut in the lunch line to get preferential treatment. They wait behind. I'll never forget, we had Lily Tomlin on my first year as a guest star. Mm. And he he grabbed her by the elbow and said, sorry, Lily, you can wait back here with me. And he like pulled her to the, to the back of the lunch line behind all the crew members waiting oh, at the food brilliant. truck to get food. And she was like, oh, oh, that's cool. Okay. Well, she didn't give a shit. She's no prima donna yeah. either, but yeah. she was just used to on yeah, other shows, been... actors taking their place. So Mark's very very socialist in that regard. And just like, no, no, we're just like everybody else. We're all just workers. And, um, and then losing him this year, you know, he decided after 19 seasons to hang it up and, mm. uh, uh, not to say we won't get him back as a guest star in some regard, if we can coax him out of, you know, he's not in retirement. He's, he's got other projects going on, but, yeah. um, and somehow we've survived. We've survived losses of other characters too, but we all thought when we lose Harmon, we're going to be, we're going to be sunk, but our numbers knock wood have, have hung on there. So, um, you know, we're just going to keep going. Can I ask a question, Scott? Sure. Obviously I've been looking at your career. So you started writing. So what's the link? How come it seems that everything you've worked in, you've produced, you've written, there's all the cop stuff. There's all, <laughs> what's the link? <laughs> it's all crime. It's all crime and people dying and, you know. Neil, I'm, 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 I'm very limited. That's why I'm just, That's very just rubbish. <laughs> Don't even Come try on. that, Williams. I want to know no. where it came from, Scott. Come Neil, on. I've been recycling the same script for 25 years. It's the <laughs> still not been Shut found up. out, right? That's not true. Don't even try it, Williams. No, you know, I think uh, I tended bar for 12 years. You've heard of 12 years a slave. I was 12 years a bartender. Yeah. So um, from college to New York to Los Angeles, as I aspired to be an actor early in my career, then that kind of gave way to the writing. I was such a good write actor. I'm a writer now. Um, but, you know, as a bartender I got to I got to know and a lot of my friends were law enforcement so I got to you know we had a lot of detectives and cops coming into the bar that I'd get to know um I went to a, a school that was big on physical education like I said a lot of my friends are coaches but a lot of them also like you know went into become firemen or, or cops mm. um and going hand in hand with that also you know there's a criminal element element I know quite a few people growing up and as you know you're Lynn you're a, I'm you're the a, criminal element you're a Glaswegian you know a few <laughs> yeah. uh, you know a few absolutely people colorful people we call nefarious. them colorful nefarious colorful, colorful translated yes. as I've been in prison a lot okay yeah I get it <laughs> exactly <laughs> so I've always I've always loved that fine line growing up the you know the, the, the kids that were the troublemakers in our neighborhood were the cops kids you know they would get out of mm. trouble all the time so but, you write what you know yeah, so I, I was always very um, sort of intoxicated by it, and it's always sort of what I gravitated towards. And and then the script that got me an agent finally, after years of trying and hearing no, was a, a, a script I wrote about a, a personal experience that a friend of mine had witnessed a murder at a bar that he was working in an after-hours club among mob guys. So I wrote this sort of like mob movie, and the cops trying to investigate the thing, so... And it led to a job with Ray Liotta. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier that, yeah. that you yeah. know, the, the, the movie that never got made, but about crooked cops. And that was the one that made David Milch at NYPD Blue go, hey, you should write TV. So <laughs> I just sort of found the niche of cop stories because they're sort of like, they're like wise guys or mob guys for the cause <laughs> yeah. of justice, yeah. you know, or something. I don't know. So 
I always kind of like that. And again, I have a soft spot, just as big a soft spot for the criminal element, frankly, also. So <laughs> I kind of like exploring you both. Fight us round, right? <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is why 10 minutes into hearing your podcast, I went, oh, yeah, I know these. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Does that answer your question, Neil? I think that's yes, about it. Does. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. What I was going to say is normally we do this thing, right? We normally do a thing where Chesney does music. Uh, Neil does like all the technical sound wiseness and I do story, right? Which is that I would good. read a little. So thanks very much. Normally I read, I'll ask you a question and then I'll read a little into your story. But I think you're very open. And so what I'm thinking would be good in this place is Neil is a very prepared individual. <laughs> he doesn't look like that by looking at him, but he's a very prepared individual. And he said earlier on, he said, you know how Scott used to be a barman? And we think he'd be prepared to do a quiz on how to make certain cocktails and oh, barwork. Jesus. And I was like, yeah, Did you fit there back is into no it, better way to do authenticity. So are you ready to do the bar? We're putting quiz? it on you, I'm afraid, Scott. You know, I honestly, I, I, the people ask me if I know how to make these fancy cocktails, you know, because now they're what? They're, they're, these, <laughs> they're these incredible bartenders of these recipes. In my day, it was like gin and tonic, scotch and soda, you know, like, but, but give me a, give me a try. Occasionally. He's prepared it, Scott. He prepared it. We thought, how many can you get in 45 seconds? Oh, 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 no. I'm excited. Yes. Oh my Dude. God. I'm, yes. This it's is why people come on our show, right? This is, this is it. This is our Doesn't... first ever quiz, by the way, Scott. First ever. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I'm so excited. Oh, God. I hope I at least get half of these right. Both of us don't. Up. No pressure. <laughs> I wish we were drinking right now. It's 10 in the morning here, but yeah. go ahead. Okay, Scott Williams, stand by. Are you ready? Take it away, quiz master. <laughs> here we go. Screwdrivers include what fruit juice? Orange juice. Yes, correct. Ding. Which liquor is used to make a Bloody Mary? Liquor, vodka, and tomato juice. Thank you very much. Ding. Which of these cocktails could be ordered dry or dirty? Americano, martini, Manhattan, or old-fashioned? Martini. Of course it could be. Ding. Which cocktail is made of these ingredients? Vodka, triple sec, cranberry juice, and lime juice. Mojito? Painkiller, Blue Baser, or Cosmopolitan? Cosmo. Is that right? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah. Got them all. <laughs> right. Woo, Try another go. one. You've got one, two, three, four. So you did 12 years of art. Yeah. Yeah, you got four right. So there yeah. you go. I was worried seconds. you were going to give me like, hey, can you make me a slippery monkey? You know, or whatever those <laughs> like, you know. We're really not that intelligent, clever, or about slippery nipples either. <laughs> we get like, hey man, can you make me a fuzzy nipple? And I'd be like, go back to your TGI Fridays in Passaic, New Jersey and order your local... What happened to TGI Fridays? God, that was the 80s wrapped up. Remember in that? Bundle, yes, that was yeah. when I was working. And we'd get these, we'd get what we call the bridge and tunnel crowd. We'd get kids from Long Island yeah. or New Jersey yeah. coming into the town and they'd ask Sex for the like beach, their local beverage. <laughs> Sex on the beach or whatever. That, those yeah. I kind of learned, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Long Island iced teas and those things. But, um, oh, that was exciting. Good. Huh? Yeah, I watch the bartenders now with these craft guys with their with their handlebar mustache just putting like egg whites on top of things. I'm like, I have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> I thought handlebar mustaches, I thought that was either coffee guys or barbers these days. No. Isn't it? I don't know, Lynn. Have you been in the local restaurants? They're all they're all kind of, you know. Especially the women. They've yeah. Yeah. Mustaches A lot of designer beards within the women's bartenders. <laughs> <laughs> you're very generous of spirit and also I think you are like 100% honest what would you say to somebody who's not necessarily bartending right now because I think that like you really enjoyed bartending even though it wasn't your big plan right that what would you say to somebody who would like not your career but would like to be a writer 
um, and like to make their their life as a writer, but aren't they a writer? You know, I will say I loved bartending in my 20s. By my 30s, I was like, oh my God, I have to get a life. Yeah, every bartending shift I had, yes, I was like making lots of money and meeting girls and, you know, getting loaded half the time. But like, (laughs) I also would have dropped it all had I, you know, gotten a yes at an audition and been, you know, my career is made. Um, But I had the, the disadvantage of when I landed on Columbus Avenue on the west side of Manhattan, Bruce Willis, uh, had just left his bartending gig up the street at a, at uh, at Cafe Central to go take the job um, on moonlighting, right? Uh, and then and then do show. and then do Die Hard. So you know everybody was like, "Hey man, Bruno, you know Bruno up the street? Yeah, he just scored like literally the day I started. They were like, Bruno up the street got a job on, it. and I'm like, okay, all right, I'm gonna go that way. And then Bruce Willis became this giant star. Every Manhattan bartender at that point was like, I'm the next, I'm up next, you know, I call, I call next, you know. But also with bartending too, when David Milch gave me my first job, you know, on NYPD Blue, he said, I like your writing, fine. I like the fact that you attended bar for 12 years, even more. So like the job that I had a love-hate relationship with all those years actually gave me characters and gave me, yeah. you know, I got to see people at their best and their worst. And I got to write, about, and I still access that bank of people that I, you know, that I remember from those years and then since. And I often tell aspiring writers that, you know, there are no shit jobs. Like whether, if you're making French fries at McDonald's, pay attention and focus because you'll one day be writing the story of the French fry maker who saved Mm. the world and you'll have personal experience Mm. to draw upon. I get crazy, you know, John Boehner, the Speaker of the House back in the Obama years, you know, he's such an asshole. He said when he accepted the speakership, you remember he was like big on crying. I don't know if you guys recall, but he was a big crier. Yeah. When I think back to all the crap jobs I had coming up, and now I'm the Speaker of the House. And I was like, you moron, you are speaking <laughs> like, like your constituents, the people you claim to represent have those crap jobs. Like were those yeah. jobs beneath you and now you've arrived where you should be all along? It's like, yeah. there are no crap jobs, man. Like it's like everything's an experience and fodder material for your later life and for, yeah. you know, life experience or experience that you're going to put on a page and become a writer with. So I always just say, you know, you've got to pay your rent. Um, also mm. a lot of writing you know, isn't necessarily typing words on a page because you've got to spend all kinds of time staring out windows and thinking of how a scene will go down before you begin to put it to the page. So, you know, Mm -hmm. but a lot of writers beat themselves up if they don't get, you know, if they get a half a page written that day. Um, It's a discipline like anything else. And you know, and you're a writer. I don't know if Chaz and, and Neil go that way, but it's like, you know, it's hard. I hate to make what I do sound like hard, but it's hard (laughs) and not everybody can do it. And I think there's some talent involved, but moreover than that, there's like, just like elbow grease involved. I mispronounce the word all the time, but there's some word like that someone said early in my career, Zitzfleisch, it's some German name or something. It basically means like, sit your flesh, sit your flesh in your seat and get it written, you know, do it. Right. So don't get it right. Get it written. There's all kinds of axioms like that, you know, but you know, I have a question for you, Scott, because you work in TV and there's probably a lot of deadlines and you've always got something to write. Mm -hmm. Are there passion projects that you've had over the years that you haven't been able to get to? And maybe through the pandemic, did you get to anything? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, deadlines are your friend because I have been guilty of, and I have friends that if I am writing some passion project on the side, 
Unless yeah. I have a deadline, it's like I could be writing this thing for ten years. You know <laughs> yes, what I mean? Absolutely. It's the whole. Yeah. It's the whole. There's some line in Animal House of like I've been working on my novel for five years. It goes, oh, it must be very good. No, it's a piece of shit. You know, it's like <laughs> it's that whole. <laughs> but 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 if I have a deadline. You know, people will say, how long does it take you to write a script? I'll say, how long do I have? Like, yeah. if you give me yeah. two weeks, it's like, I'll bang it out in two weeks. If you give me a year, you know, that's it's, it's going to meander a bit before I get it to where I like mm -hmm. it. I have the blessing of working on a show and having worked on multiple shows now that have a world already sort of created that I can kind yeah, of write into yeah. and characters that already have a voice that I can mimic, that I can mm -hmm. conjure and, and, and mimic their voices. Um, but in terms of features... I've only had two features made. One went straight to video, and one I completely lost credit on because it was a, it was a biography, and it was a, a, a sports biography that got rewritten a million times and, and partially fictionalized, and I kind of lost it. But um, it's Hollywood for you, <laughs> yeah. You know that's why I stick with television right? because it's like, but yeah. yeah, movies are like you have a better chance of being struck by lightning, despite the crap you see, <laughs> yeah. the glut of material. The choice on that. you have, yeah. yeah, yeah. I used to say when you walk through Blockbuster, you're like, where do these movies come from? You know, how come no one's making my movie? <laughs> <laughs> by the way, one of the coolest—it's like one of the greatest benefits of this podcast that you guys have Chaz do this for people. Right? This is. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Uh, Lynn and I are filler, you know, basically. <laughs> we're filler. I'm, and, you I know, like we're hanging on his shirt tails. And, I mean, yeah. The opportunity for Chez to sing a favorite song. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. Yeah, you utilize him for all sorts of things. Yeah. yeah. I've loved it, Scott. You know, this is, for me, like, I've, I've discovered all sorts of music and managed to kind of, like, you know, record and play with artists that I wouldn't maybe not have, have even discovered sometimes, you know. Right. So for, for our listener, um, just so, to, so they're up to date <laughs> every, every week, we, give, we have our lovely guest uh, choose a, a song for us and then I make a, a version of that song uh, as a gift for our guest. So Scott uh, gave us all sorts of songs to yeah. choose from. I gave choices out of panic, I think, on both the sayings <laughs> and the songs because, you know, none of us want to be pigeonholed as one thing. No. You know, I don't want to be like, our lips are sealed by the Go-Go's and I have everyone go. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Go-Go guy. What? <laughs> oh, I wish you'd chosen uh, our lips are sealed by the, the Go-Go's. No, you know, yeah. though, the thing is, is you don't have it's to worry song. about being... It's a great song. I just... But, but people can judge you on one song. I, they can. Uh, You're going to be pigeonholed yeah, be pigeonholed. by being yeah, the nice exactly. No, but you will be by being the nice guy. By being the proof that there are nice guys existing, yeah. you will be yeah. pigeonholed by that. That's it. Well, yeah. that, that's a good, that's a good hole to be pigeoned into. I'm fine. Right. Well, I actually, for one, was very grateful for a list of songs <laughs> because I don't normally get that choice, you know, no. for, so for me, because a lot of times uh, the songs, I just email, think, oh, what? It, <laughs> how the fuck are am I going to do? Are Our Lips Are Sealed by the Go-Go's? <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should say that. <laughs> oh, geez. Yes. Yes. That's what I'm going to do. No, Actually, if you don't mind, uh, I'll actually read all, all of your song choices and then I'll tell you which one I did. So, okay. so you said earlier on that you're a Springsteen fan, Thunder Road, which I absolutely love. Beautiful song. Jackson Brown, another incredible artist, uh, Your Bright Baby Blues. Uh, Free Man in Paris by Joni Mitchell. Beautiful. I actually introduced that song to my uh, daughter yesterday. She's going to Paris in a couple of days. Oh, wonderful. And so I said, you have to listen to that song. Um, and there was two that I really was like, oh yeah, that, that's, that's me all over. The first one was XTC, Mayor of Simpleton, which I just 
you know, who doesn't love XTC? Yeah. I knew your um, Brits would get hooked by that one, yeah. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I took a while to choose, you know, but in the end, I plumbed for Van Morrison's Into the Mystic. Oh, nice. Because I'm such a Van fan, and uh, yeah. I love his soul, uh, his gypsy soul. Yeah. Uh, so so that was the song uh, we went for, um, yeah, Into the Mystic by Van Morrison. thrilling. Okay, well, just for you then, Scott Williams, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> by the wonders of technology. Here we have Chesney Hawks performing Into the Mystic. We were born into the wind Also younger than the sun Here the bunny boat was one As we sailed into the mystic Hark now hear the sailors cry Smell the sea and feel the sky Let your soul and spirits fly into the mystic When that foghorn blows I will be coming home And when that foghorn blows, I wanna hear it. I don't have to fear it. Oh, I wanna rock your gypsy soul. And just like way back in the days of old, ooh, then magnificently we will float into the mystic. That was Ches performing Van Morrison's Into the Mystic. Well done, Ches. Smashed it again. Ches, you are 
That is a gift, man. You are gifted. That is really uh, beautiful. And I wondered how you were going to handle those horns and your vocals are spectacular right there. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, I uh, always try and keep the recording of it very simple, just guitar and vocal or whatever. So, you know, I, was no, I, I couldn't get the horn section in for that. So I just sing it, you know. <laughs> As the horns approached, I kind of thought, I wonder how he's going to do that. And then there is your beautiful vocal. I'm like, oh, like that. Okay, that covers it beautifully. That's great. Yeah. And nice guitar work as well. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Tell us about that song, Scott. Why, uh, what is it? Does it give you some any particular memories? Or why is that one hold such a special You know, place it's a couple things. I think it's a high schooler. Right? Friends and I would go to a bar and, and, and you know, underage drink beer. And, and the jukebox <laughs> had Moondance on side A and, and, and that song on side B. And it, it takes me back to that place. And I remember I was just, just discovering him at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and also, too, I just, I, I just consider it such a beautiful song. It sounds morose to say, but it's one of those. It's like, yeah, play that at my funeral. That's like such a great, right. <laughs> such a beautiful song. Send me off into the mystic to that song. Oh, that's great. And I've yeah. seen Van a few times, you know, and he's not, he's an, he's an interesting cat because he's just, a, he's, mm. he's not a faithful concerteer, <laughs> you know, he'll, he'll give a jazz version of things and he's, he, yes. he can be, he can be curmudgeonly and all that stuff, but. There's great stories about Van in, yeah. in those ways. Like I've, I've heard that he's done gigs literally facing away yeah. from the crowd. Yeah. He, just, he doesn't yeah. even, he doesn't yeah. even show his face yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, he does everything but a big middle finger on his back, you know, just yeah. to say all of you. Yeah. But that said, it's like, there's no voice like his, there's no writer yeah. like him. And, you know, he's just, he's incredible. Yeah. You know, he's just. He's definitely uh, unique for sure. So that's, I, I love his. Lots Lots of Van songs, but that one definitely is probably my number yeah. one. Well, actually, we should probably close now. Scott Williams, every time I meet you, I like you more. And I don't oh. really know how that happens, because already, like, I was going to the guys, oh, we've got to have Scott Williams, you'll love him, he's lovely. And then I meet <laughs> you, and I'm like, God, he really is lovely. So thank you uh, so much for doing this. Uh, right back yeah. at you on all counts, Lynn, mm -hmm. and Chaz and Neil, too. Thank you uh, just for having me. I was delighted to get the invitation. I'm like, you know... What? You've been contact? Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> Sign me up. Yes, please. And, about, and we'll definitely get that slippery nipple at the, Dude, the thirsty yes. emergency. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to New York. My wife and I are going to, to, to Baltimore to visit my daughter and then to New York in for m much of May, but, uh, but I'll be back in June, so uh, we'll do it then. Big love to your missus. Thank you, and to your mister and, and Neil, yeah. and thank you so much, uh, Ches. And, and uh, listen, we'll, we'll all get together at some point. Neil, I don't know when I'm in the yeah. UK next, but... Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for making the time for us. We really appreciate it. Scott Williams yeah, on our you, podcast. Hey! Hey! Whoa, we love you. Love you back. Thank that you for having awesome. me. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> How much do you love him, Scott? Williams? Yeah, I told yeah. you, right? I told you. You, you were right, you Lynn. You were right. right. Yeah. I was skeptical, but you were right. <laughs> adorable and skeptical. Skeptical yes. and adorable, but right. What a a lovely man, and he's my neighbourino. There you go. I know, right? Yeah, you can go and have a couple of sherry's yeah, He's going to be my friend too. Yeah, well. <laughs> but it was him. an interesting thing. So, Lynn, you observed the fact that we asked him for a quote and he gave us a list of quotes. So, you know, it was an interesting observation about the sort of person mm. he is and, and mm. a generous man. And, and the other thing that I read into that was 
it was the other quotes as well. I thought when I started reading the other quotes, it was, uh, we won't go into them all now, just the, the sh- the, uh, one of the other short ones. The sign of a first-rate mind is the ability to have two opposite opinions at the same time, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Mm. But I thought, wow, when I, when I read these quotes, I'm like, wow, this guy's a doer. This is a guy that, that does stuff. He is well, a look what he's done. done. Exactly. Yeah. And, then, um, and then, of course, we got a window into his soft side because he then sort of gave us a couple of quotes which were some, from songs. And there's that lovely one from The Who song, I Gladly Lose Me to Find You. So he's obviously got that loving, soft, side but yeah what he does with Shane's inspiration and his other charity is We Spark which mm. is about care for cancer patients oh wow we didn't mention that it's good that we mentioned that I mean it's just incredible it really is um, yeah. what he does and what he's done amazing see I think that uh, I think his uh, strong side and his soft side are the same right, right. Mm. I think he I think that what makes him so strong is that he's not afraid to be soft like yes. <clears throat> that if you ask him a question he'll he'll answer it honestly he doesn't mm. put on some kind of I'm a very important man for him. <laughs> no, he's like no very much true right <laughs> no he's just like totally straight up who he is yeah, I love him. I, I don't have anything else to say, really, because I haven't learned that I love him more, except I just love him. I think he's like, I'm very glad he did our podcast. Yeah, thank you for bringing him on, Lynn, and introducing us. I think we live in a, in a world at the moment where we are often led to believe that people who have power don't seem to have any integrity. Yeah, what we expect, And what it? he is such a yeah. good reminder of is that power and integrity can and do go mm. hand in hand. And it sounds like the same thing with the big boss of NCIS. He sounds yeah. like a similar kind of character. Mark which is Harman probably why... seems to be a sweet guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but he, it's he that old thing of like sort of... Um, you know, we, you attract the right people, don't you? It's yeah, all that thing yeah. about every the, the right energy attracting each other. And so it's probably no surprise that he's ended up working on that show, is it, really? Yeah. Yeah. Just a good guy. Yeah. So, guys, are we finished for this week? Listener, I hope that you very much enjoyed it. We enjoyed having you here, listener. Yes. And we love doing this too, we don't do, we, guys? We do, yeah. We really do. Do you know what we have to be careful of, though? What? Because our listener possibly lives in the UK and there's been a lot of love. We love you guys. We thanks. And if I oh was my a God. listener. Right? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh my God. You're right? so yeah. great. Yeah. So our listener, uh, if you're in the UK, which you probably are, uh, Chesney's mum, uh, know yeah. that we, uh, we did actually have fun. We hope you've had fun. And uh, we're back again soon with another guest and another quote and another song. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Perfectly summed up, uh, Liz. But until then, we have been Ferguson. Harrington. Hawks. And we will see you soon. See you next time, listener. Bye, Thank listener. You very Bye, much. Mum. I'll call you later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> love you. <laughs> Stop with the love thing. They're in the UK. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You're all a bunch of <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> Glad I didn't stop recording and I've got that beautiful. There's a Christmas tape in one line. You've been listening to Ferguson Harrington Hawks with Lynn Ferguson, Neil Harrington and Chesney Hawks. Written and produced for Source Productions by, surprise, surprise, Lynn Ferguson, Neil Harrington and Chesney Hawks.